Welcome to the Soul Forge, a place of silent mystery, quiet contemplation, and outright mayhem. Join your host, Sean Vanderloo, as he guides you through the adventures of living. Together, we'll talk about life and love, sex and dating, joy and heartache, memories and loss, and so much more. Don't worry, it's not nearly as pretentious as it sounds. Get ready for life, the universe, and everything on The Soul Forge. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Soul Forge podcast. I'm your host Sean and I have decided to call you guys forgers. If you listened to episode 6, I asked you guys to send in an email or a tweet or something about what we should call you because I want to open up the podcast with something exciting and some of the options I picked were Soul Squadron, Soul Forgers, uh, I can't remember what else I said, but loyal listener Dan, or Daniel, I'm not sure which he likes to go by, but he also listens to my other podcast and he's a great supporter, appreciate him. Thanks Dan. He suggested Forgers. We're all on the forge of fire to uh, create our souls, and so that's what we're going to be. You guys and girls, I'm just using guys in the general sense, of course, are forgers. We're all forging our life path together, so that's that's what we are. All right, so what are we going to talk about on Episode 7? We're going to talk about fatherhood. And how did I come to this conclusion for Episode 7? Well, I was uh, with my son on the weekend, and there was a car show in town. And I like old cars, and I'm trying to get him interested in different kinds of things. It's not easy. Am I doing a good job at fatherhood? I couldn't tell you. I don't feel like I am, but his mom says I'm doing a great job, so I'm going to go with that. But why fatherhood? Well, fatherhood, dads, parents, it's all very important to... It's all rather intense and emotionally complicated sometimes, so I thought I'd delve right into that topic today. What can I tell you about uh, my early upbringing with my dad? Well, my parents split up when I was five years old, and that has affected me for the rest of my life. How did that happen, do you ask? Well, I've always been searching for a strong male father figure or male figure or or some kind of guide to help me in my life. And I I, I looked forever. And so what happened? Well, I, I don't know the details of their split, and it doesn't matter. But anyway, I was five. My brother Curtis was less than a year old when this happened. The father figure was gone from life. He was still around. Uh, We saw him every two weeks for quite a while. And he'd pick us up and we'd go on an adventure. We'd go to his house. We'd do this, we'd do that, we'd do another thing. What what do you do with a one and a five-year-old, right? So that, that happened and that went on for a few years. And uh, when I was, was it, I think I was seven, maybe, maybe eight years old. No, I think, I think I was seven when mom met the guy who would be my stepdad and the father of my third brother, Robin. Well, this guy here, he was quite a winner. He considered himself a biker. Uh, his name was Doug, but he went by the name Cannon, full of tattoos uh, never really worked a day in his life. He he made things out of leather. So leather belts, leather saddlebags for his fellow bikers, uh, leather lighter cases, 
uh, vests, you, you name it. He could make anything out of leather. Uh, in fact, when I was 12 and 13, I was the right size to be a model for the leather outfits he made for the strippers at the strip club that he worked at. There, back in the day, there was a strip bar called the Beaver Hotel, and uh, his buddy owned it. And so Cannon, he worked there just making outfits for the strippers, probably selling drugs too, because he was big into that, which I later found out. But that's not important. But anyway, uh, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, I, I was a skinny little guy, and I was about the same size as the strippers. So I got to wear the leather outfits uh, made with leather and chain and studs and so on, rhinestones and fake jewels, to, to make, just to make sure that these things would fit the strippers. So that was so much fun. Tell, talk about something that was traumatizing. But anyway, going back to the original story, she met him, I'm not even sure how, when I was seven, and they got married just after I turned eight, and two years later Robin was born, and we moved around quite a bit because of that. Uh, he never worked, really, and mom had odd jobs. So was he a good father figure? He was not. He would make us sit in the van while uh, he'd smoke up with his buddies and we'd be in the car for what seemed like forever. Uh, what else would happen? Um, he, we moved around quite a bit. We, uh, we lived in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, and there was a little town maybe 15-20 minutes outside of it called Gooley River. We lived there in some crappy old places. Uh, I think we moved probably once a year, if not more than that. So I was always going to different public schools, very hard to make friends, and so Kenan was not a very good role model. So always looking for somebody to, to look up to. I would look up to the fathers of uh, friends that I would make, uh, but my biggest role model, I think, would have to be my grandfather, my mom's dad, and we called him Bumpa. Why did we call him Bumpa? Apparently, the, st and the, the story goes, uh, when I was a, a little baby, they tried to get me to call him Grumpy, but it turned out to be Bumpa. So everybody called him Bumpa. Trying to, trying to say that with a straight face when you're 15, 20, 25 years old, hey, this is Bumpa. Like, what? So I, I did it anyway, because that's who he was to me. He was Bumpa, and, and he was amazing. Uh, he, he was in AA, and he used to take me to the open meetings from the time I was probably three years old. At least that's the story that he used to tell. Oh, yeah, Sean's been coming with me to the club since he was three. So uh, what would I do with it there? I would, I would listen to the stories. He would carve popsicle sticks and make little propellers and stuff because he was a pilot. And uh, he used to take me up in the airplane up until I was uh, six or seven years old. And when he sold it, he, uh, he was a mechanic. He owned his own business. He used to take me and the family camping every summer, and we, we would look forward to that. And he used to ride a motorcycle, and I got to go on the motorcycle. Uh, Cannon went on, had a motorcycle too sometimes, but uh, more often than not, it was in pieces all over the living room or the garage. My dad was a mechanic as well, <laughs> and because I didn't get to see my dad very often, and because Cannon thought he was a mechanic, and because Bumpa was a mechanic, I never figured I had to learn any of that stuff. So I never did. And boy, do I regret that now. So yeah, I should have paid attention to what they were doing. I, w I would help, but I would never really pay that much attention. Because, like I said, my dad was a mechanic. Cannon was a tinkerer. He would uh, 
well, I guess the best way to describe it is try to build things. We had a, a Volkswagen Beetle, and he cut part of it off to attach the front end of a bike to the back end of the Beetle, and he tried to make something he called a trike, but it never ran, and it was never sturdy enough, and I don't think he knew how to weld. But everything else that he did was uh, pop rivets and sheet metal and black house paint on, on the outside of his vehicles. So I never really learned much from him, and I, I should have learned more from Bumpa, but I didn't because, well, he was a mechanic, his his sons were mechanics, most of my relatives were mechanics or carpenters or people that could do things with their hands, and so I never uh, felt that I needed to really learn it. I should have, because now I know nothing, and uh, I, I'm in a different town, and most of those people have passed away, and... It's it's not very good. So anyway, this brings me back to my son. Tried to get him to enjoy the car show, and we, there was about maybe ten or fifteen cars there. And uh, I was like, "What do you think about this one, bud?" Meh. It's okay. Okay. What about this one? I really like the color. Oh, okay, cool. What about this one here, chum? It's for sale. Should we buy it? Hmm. No, I don't think so. So we we walked around, looked at the cars. There was a couple old trucks, two green trucks. One was a Ford and one was a Chevy from the 50s. I'm like, which one do you like here, bud? Meh, neither one. I'm like, oh, all right. So the only one he liked was an old uh, blue 1956 Cadillac, which I took a picture with him of, but he, he didn't really care. I said, all right, let's go. And I could have taken him back home or taken him to my place. And I said, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do today, bud? He's like, well, uh... What are you going to do at your house? I'm like, well, I got a stereo, and uh, we could we could set it up and listen to old records. It's like, mm, nah, I think I'll just go home. So this brought me to the whole idea of fatherhood and what to do as a father, uh, the fatherly influences that I've had. And I've come to the conclusion that since I didn't have a proper fatherly role model in my life, I really don't know what the heck to do. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, his mom, Trish, says I'm doing a great job. And I see him whenever I want, and he knows he can text me or call me whenever he wants. He doesn't. He he doesn't have any interest in anything. Um, I want to get him into air cadets or, or, or cubs or any kind of extracurricular thing. He, he doesn't uh, have a care for it. He doesn't want to do hockey or any kind of sport. He likes his... Face, no, not his Facebook. He likes his uh, computer, his video games, and his uh, phone or tablet that he plays with. And that's pretty much it. Oh, and he loves SpongeBob. And uh, I try to watch SpongeBob with him when he comes over, but I can't stand it. But we watch it, and it's, it's fine. Uh, I mean, what was it? About uh, a month or two ago, we were going to the movies, and we had two choices. And he wanted to go see Captain Underpants, and I wanted to go see Wonder Woman. And uh, so we went to the theater, and I said, all right, you want to go see Wonder Woman? He's like, mm, no, I'd rather see Captain Underpants. I'm like, really? You'd, ra you'd rather see that than, than a cool action sci-fi uh, superhero movie? He's like, yeah, I read the books for Captain Underpants, so I think that's the one we'll go see. I'm like, okay, that's what we'll do. So we did, because I guess that's what you do when you're dad. You do uh, things that your kids want to do. But I am also trying to get him to show interest in other things. I've decided that it's time for him to get into some classic movies. 
And I think the first one I'm going to introduce him to is probably Stand By Me. I told him about this this weekend. Uh, the characters in the movie are, what, 11 and 12 years old? It came out in 86. I was 10. Probably saw it when I was 11 or 12. And he, he's 11. He's going to be December, uh, He's going to be 12 in December. So I figure it's the perfect age for him to watch it. So I brought that up to him. And he says, oh, so you were 11 when you saw it. I'm 11 now. The characters are 11. Uh, maybe we should watch it on November 11th, which is like three months away. I said, well, that's a good idea, bud, but I think maybe we'll watch it this week. He's like, oh, okay, or maybe the week after. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because when it comes to movies, he hasn't been this way for a while, but a few years ago, we'd uh, we'd sit down to watch a movie of some kind, and the first thing he would say is, hmm, well, this is an interesting movie. When's it going to be over? He, he was always interested in doing the next thing, and of course the next thing was playing on his phone. I have some work cut out for me, obviously. And this, of course, brings me back to my own upbringing, childhood. So like I said, when I was five, my parents split. When I was eight, mom married Canon, And that went on for a few years. And let's see, that would have been... They got married, I guess, in 84. And I think she was finally free of him around, I'm going to say, 1991. And she had random dates here and there after that. Uh, she kind of saw a guy named Marty. He only had one eye. He had a glass eye. And that was He was a character. He, he was also a guy who was good with his hands and knew how to do things. We went uh, on road trips, and I think we went fishing. And friend of the family, Danny, he used to take us fishing. And he was okay. They never dated. He was interested in mom, but mom just saw him as more of a friend. But he was around quite a bit, and uh, he was fun to hang out with. Uh, so there was, there was dad, there was Cannon, there was Marty, there was Danny. And finally, in 96, she met Bill. Now, of course, by 96, that was my second year of university, so I was away. Uh, Robin was 10, Curtis would have been around 14, and I was 19. So, really... I didn't have too much contact with Bill, but Robin did. So really, Bill is more of a father figure to Robin, and to a lesser extent, Curtis. Uh, Curtis and my dad actually had a big falling out for about 10 years, and they finally reconciled this past December, I guess. So it's only been about eight months, and they didn't really talk for 10 years. And why is that? I think it's because my brother Curtis took on a lot of the resentments that my mom had towards my dad. Me, on the other hand, I can't hold grudges. I, I just, I don't know if it's that I don't care enough, but it's it's too much work. It's too much effort to, to hold on to the anger, the resentment, or anything like that. So I don't. And who, who taught me to be forgiving and, and all that? I, I think maybe Bumpa did, but I, I don't know, because I know... My mom and him had a very contentious relationship as well. And uh, after my grandmother got sick and was put into uh, a home, uh, Grandfather Bumpa moved in with Mom and Bill and Robin and Curtis, who all lived together. And I was still living six hours away. And the thing is, my grandfather likes to share his his knowledge, his wisdom, his philosophy on life and different things. And and everybody else considered it preaching. Oh, Bumpa's preaching again. And they'd, and they'd all leave the room. And 
I, I, I liked it. I, I went, like I said, I went to meetings with him from the time I was three till the probably my late teens. And I learned a lot from all the various speakers. I learned a lot from him. And I guess I'm more even keel, I guess, is the best way to put it. I don't know if that's true. I'd like to think it is. And so I don't hold on to resentments, and I try to learn from as many different people as I can. But the rest of the family didn't really see it that way. Another thing that uh, is in my family is we repress things, any kind of resentments or anger or whatnot, uh, until we explode. And so when Mom was about 50, she exploded and kicked her dad out of her house and he ended up living with my dad for three years so uh, he had to go move in with his ex-son-in-law which was kind of weird I guess but it seemed to work for them I suppose I don't really know I was I was not there I wish I would have been I wonder if things would have been different had I been there to regulate the goings-on or moderate or whatever I'm not really sure and I can't really think about it because it's all in the past and Bumpa has now passed on, Mom has passed on and really there's uh, there's no way to know what my influence there could have been. So anyway, uh, what I try to do is get along with everybody. I try to see everybody's various points of view and so this brings me back to fatherhood and I'm trying to teach Bishop that... Did I, did I say that uh, Bishop was my son's name? I'm not sure if I even mentioned that earlier in the show. But yeah, his name is Bishop, his mom's name is Trish, and so I'm trying to teach him that uh, it's good to be opened up to new possibilities, to new experiences, learn from whoever you can. And he's only 11, so of course he's not really taking it into consideration because, yeah, okay dad, whatever. And and so I hope that I'm doing a good job. I'd like to think I am. Uh, he seems fairly well adjusted. The The big thing with me is that my parents split up when I was five, and I never wanted that for my kid. But life happens, and so Trish and I split up when Bishop was six and a half. So I, I try to be there for him as much as I can. Uh, my, my dad wasn't there. He worked a lot, and he had his own life. And I, I don't even know the details of what happened, but he, he wasn't there very much. And a lot of times, now this was back in the day of... Uh, before answering machines or when they first came out, but he had an answering service and, and I, we would call him and we'd have to leave a message with the, uh, the lady at the answering service. I always imagined that there was a row of ladies at computers in some kind of underground bunker, just answering calls from kids trying to reach their dads. That's how I saw it because it, days and sometimes weeks would go by before we'd hear from him because all, all we wanted to do was go hang out with our dad, go to the farm where he lived. He lived on a farm, 45 acres. It, it wasn't a working farm. It actually had an airfield on it and a barn, and it used to be a farm when it belonged to his mom, but uh, he, he just has all his uh, tools on it. He's uh, not only a mechanic, he also moves houses, uh, builds basements, all kinds of Stuff like that. And I actually worked with him for years in my teenage years and early 20s. I just try to be there for Bishop and make sure that I'm always reachable and he can get a hold of me for anything he ever needs, any kind of advice or help or whatever. I, I just want to be there in a way that uh, people weren't always there for me. So did my childhood prepare me to be a good father? I don't know. It, it showed me a lot of the things that I don't want to do or didn't want to do. And I have been, off and on, I guess a stepfather for about 15 years. 
Uh, when I was 25, I met Lynn, and she had two kids from two different dads, and we were together for a year and a half, and I did whatever I could for, for those kids. Uh, they were not good kids. Because Lynn was not a good person, she would dump her kids off with whoever would watch them, and so they weren't very well taken care of at all. Uh, the, the the boy who was older than the girl, he would actually climb the walls, you know, in a in an entranceway where there's like a doorway but no door. He would actually climb up that and, and just stay there. And he would draw in the wall and the kid, the other girl, the girl, what was her name? Well, the boy was Tyler. The girl was, I think, Cassidy was her name. She would uh, throw her clothes in the tub of water. Uh, it was just, I, I can't even remember all the things because I blocked it out. But uh, bad kids. And I, I did what I could, but yeah, that was that was a year and a half of hell, I guess is the best way to describe it. Then I met Trish. She had an eight-year-old girl named Dakota. I was with Trish for almost nine years. And so we had Dakota and then we had Bishop. Dakota was at a good age. And uh, I, I still consider her a daughter, and we still see each other from time to time. Not as much as I'd like, I don't think. But uh, that was fine. Uh, the, the Tyler and Cassidy kids showed me how bad kids could be. Dakota showed me how good of a kid could be. Uh, because Trisha's a good mom, and she takes care of her kids. And yeah, I can't, I can't say anything bad about Trish. Then uh, after Trish, I got with Bridget, and she had three kids. Uh, three kids from three different dads. Uh, two boys and a girl, and uh, I tried to get close to them, but uh, the boy was, how old is he now? This was, uh, I think he was like 17, and the middle boy, Josh, was 12 when we got together, and Peyton, the girl, was three, so the boys really had been through so much trauma with Peyton's dad that they really didn't want to have anything to to do with me, really. We, we would hang out, we'd watch TV and stuff, but we never really got close, which was sad. Peyton, uh, I tried to get close to her, but she was still so in love with her dad and who she would go with in the summers and on Christmas breaks and stuff. So she was testing me for the first couple of years. And after that, uh, Bridget and I split up. So there was really no getting close to any of those kids. And uh, after that, well, there was, there was Terry and her daughter, Danny. And uh, I watched Danny all the time, and uh, we we had a good bond. It only lasted a year before she moved back to the Sioux because it, it just didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, Danny and I, I think, were pretty tight. We were pretty close, and uh, she was a handful. She was like two or three kids, but uh, not not a bad kid, just, just hyper. So that was fine. Uh, all kinds of different experiences that I've had, and I think, or at least I hope I've dealt with them, in a, in a positive manner, tried to teach them good habits, uh, show them different things of the world. I, I'd like to take uh, the kids yard sailing, take them to the movies, you know, just different things for cultural experiences and seeing the way different people live and, and whatnot. A lot of the times, though, it's not easy because the moms have different rules or a different way of seeing things, but there's a lot of compromising. And, and so I, I think I've done okay. And so now with Bishop, he's going to be 12 in December. Yeah, we have a good relationship, I think. He, he just doesn't talk a lot, and that worries me. But I, I talked to his mom, and she's like, yeah, he, he doesn't uh, really talk to us either. He's, he's there. He just likes being in the same area as you. So as, as long as you guys are together, 
he's okay. He doesn't have to say stuff. He he knows he can ask you anything, but he he, he doesn't because either he doesn't have any questions or he's not comfortable or he doesn't know what to say but he doesn't ask her he doesn't ask me and uh maybe, maybe he talks to his friends of the same age i don't really know because he doesn't uh he doesn't really say and uh ask him how he is at school oh it was fine what'd you learn today bud huh not much that's that's his big thing right now everything's not much i'm like oh okay <laughs> no matter what kind of questions you ask him, it's all pretty much variations of the whole not much kind of thing. So maybe it's just a phase. I don't know. The one thing I do know is that I'm just going to continue to be there for him like I always am, uh, give him options, give him advice, and I, I think that's probably the best way to go about doing things. I don't really know because, well, like I said, I, I was never really taught anything by anybody consistently nobody really stayed around so it's it's hard to really know what to do how did i learn to shave i learned it by watching commercials i guess so i've always liked quotes or dad interactions in tv and movies and one of my favorite lines comes from babylon 5 the year is 2258 the name of the place It's a space show from the 90s where the main character talks about something that his dad taught him. And his dad said, whatever you do, John, never start a fight, but make sure you always finish one. So that's always advice that uh, I've carried around with me. I've never actually had to give it to Bishop yet because, well, he doesn't fight. He gets along with everybody, which I'm super grateful for. So that's awesome. There's another quote from uh, the movie Con Air with Nicolas Cage where he's talking to the main bad guy. And he said uh, something about his dad teaching him stuff. And, his, and, he, and then the bad guy says, my dad never taught me anything. And Nick Cage says, ah, self-educated man. I like that. So just funny little quotes like that. I, I stick in my memory. But in conclusion, uh, the one thing that I guess we all need to take away from fatherhood is that anybody can be a father. It takes a real man to be a dad. That's the uh, cliche quote that we all know. But it's true. I've been a dad to a lot of kids, surprisingly, actually. It didn't always necessarily last long, but I always try to be consistent. I always try to be fair, and I always try to listen. And I think that's the main thing. If you can be consistent, that's half the battle right there. And knowing is half the battle. And and kids appreciate it, because they know where they stand with you. And as long as you're open with them, they're uh, they're more comfortable. And that's very important. So that's pretty much all I have to say about fatherhood for now. Uh, That's a little bit of my history, and I hope you got some interesting information, maybe some advice, maybe something you can take away. I don't really know. Would definitely appreciate some feedback, some emails. Uh, If you could share the link to the episode with any of your friends and family, get some more listeners and followers, that would be great. Then we can get some emails and get some uh, in-depth conversation going and really get this forge fired up on all cylinders. That would be awesome. But I just wanted to say thanks for stopping by and listening to the show. I appreciate you being here. And remember, appreciate where you are in your journey, even if it's not where you want to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Soul Forge. I hope you found some value in it. To contact the show, please email soulforgepodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at soulforgepod. We are soulforgepodcast on Facebook and you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Darth Vaderloo. 
please spread the Soul Forge word by rating and reviewing us in iTunes and by telling everyone you know. Thanks for stopping by the Forge! <laughs>